So I want to move here from uh, Get on the Bus to Spike Lee's 2012 film, Red Hook Summer. This breaks with chronology in many ways, but for me, it's uh, there's an important continuity between the era of uh, Crooklyn, of Even Girls 6, um, and all the movies that preceded Crooklyn and Get on the Bus, and Red Hook Summer. In the intervening years, Spike Lee made a, a, a whole number of films of mixed quality, some uh, very aspirational in terms of aesthetic and storytelling, um, and others more along the lines of your sort of typical early Spike Lee film. But Red Hook Summer for me is a real sort of what I would call a homecoming film. Not only because uh, the film is about Brooklyn and, and that for Spike Lee is always a form of homecoming, but because I think that it is a return for Spike Lee to his roots as a filmmaker. When I teach Red Hook Summer, it's in some ways one of the most difficult films to teach. It's difficult to teach because students, and you know, I think any viewer, uh, myself included, uh, have to watch the film and get past very uh, mediocre at best performances by the two lead actors, uh, two uh, children uh, who play the two lead roles. Um, and they're just not very good. I mean, it's just that simple. Their performances are not great. And it has in that way all the markers of an independent film, all the markers of what I actually love about early Spike Lee films, which is that he was committed from the beginning to giving actors, black actors, uh, a living, uh, give them a chance to build a resume. And I think we see with you know people like uh, Giancarlo Esposito and Bill Nunn and, and others, really how he helped create their careers, right? Helped uh, uh, give them that resume that allowed other opportunities to open up. And it, by 2012, Spike Lee has already spent nearly a quarter decade as a serious filmmaker. And so for him to revisit that, right, for him to go back and say, you know, let's let's give some, some young actors, some unproven actors a chance here, uh, both in terms of the uh, mothers in the film and in terms of the child actors in the film he really uh, returns to that I think very ethical kind of business of filmmaking but the results are very uneven in Red Hook Summer and the fact that the the two lead roles the two children in lead roles uh, don't put in very good performances can distract from the film for sure I think it distracts from the film in the sense that we have grown accustomed in watching Spike Lee's cinema generally across the semester. And anyone who watches his films in any kind of uh, sequence, you see uh, what a great director he is in terms of getting more and more over the years out of his actors, right? Actors who are excellent like Angela Bassett and, and Malcolm X, uh, and uh, Denzel Washington and Malcolm X, for example, there's not much that needs to be done. They're just two supremely talented screen presence uh, presences. 
But other actors, I think he always gets something really special out of them, and that's a skill that grows uh, with him as a filmmaker. And so to arrive at Red Hook Summer in 2012, after all those years of filmmaking, and his leads turn in mediocre performances, it it feels uh, at best uneven, and at worst a real distraction from what the film's about. But I always push beyond that, um, first of all, because acting performances, I mean, they're interesting as for me as a sort of side note, but they don't really tell very much about the film. And for all of the weaknesses of those performances, I would actually say that Red Hook Summer is one of Spike Lee's most important films. It's one of his most important films because as a homecoming film, he's giving another visit to Brooklyn But he's giving a visit to Brooklyn after Brooklyn has been taken over, right? And Red Hook is at the edge of that takeover by by middle class, upper middle class, wealthy people, white people largely, moving into Brooklyn neighborhoods and driving out residents. And so when I teach the film, I really press the students hard on this and ask them, you know, what is it about the theme of the film? Just one of the themes of, of what we would call in a, in a polite way, we would call gentrification. I always advocate for calling it what I think it really is, which is ethnic cleansing, right? That Brooklyn has been a place that has such deep and abiding cultural roots and meaning for black Americans, both African-American, West Indian immigrant and immigrant children, and um, to a lesser extent, African immigrants and immigrant children. But for black Americans, Brooklyn has been enormously important and the site of, of key critical cultural production around popular culture, but um, also what we might call, uh, you know, high culture, you know, I, I hate the high culture or popular culture distinction at some level, but just to say that Brooklyn has very few peers in terms of its, of its place in African-American cultural history. And so for uh, white people to come in and displace those communities, I think that we have to think less along the lines of uh, gentrification and whatever that's come to mean in our in our vocabulary, something that for a certainly a, a particular uh, political class that I'd put myself in, a gentrification is a deeply problematic, objectionable, and outrageous thing. But I think if we call it ethnic cleansing, we can see actually what a crime it is, that it's a human rights crime. And it's not just a human rights crime because people are denied affordable housing, that's enough. But it's a human rights crime, and this is why the ethnic part of ethnic cleansing is so important, because it is eliminating, right? It is is erasing a site of cultural production that has very few peers, and it no longer exists. And there's a lot of that uh, alluded to, I think, in this film. And certainly Spike Lee wants us to think of it that way. He wants us to think of Brooklyn, which he has portrayed in so many films in such loving and complicated ways. He wants us to think about Brooklyn the way he's thought about it, which is a site of enormous human beauty, of enormous significance for black people. 
but something that's dying. And it's that sense of dying that I think is really the core message of the film. It, of course, has as its central plot the slow sort of burn and, and revelation and aftermath of the bishop at the church being uh, revealed to be a pedophile and a, a, a child rapist. And that's a terrifying scene. I want to talk about that in the next uh, next piece on Red Hook Summer. And so that, that becomes you know part of the narrative and certainly also the, the narrative of of Flick, the main character, his mother dropping him off with um, with the bishop to spend the summer, and sort of what you know. There's uh, you know the his father is a, a veteran <clears throat> who's died, and you know so there's an evocation there of a moment right in 2012 for sure. Thinking about the war on terror and and its ongoing aftermaths. Uh, in this case, for a black child, rather than, you know, simply thinking in terms of, of veterans or thinking in terms of, of people in Afghanistan, Iraq, and uh, borderland places in that part of the world, he's here also showing it as having this very deep effect on, on a black child, right? In terms of his father's death and what it means to live in that aftermath. So there's also those sorts of plot lines and stories. But in the end, it's Red Hook Summer, and it is about a summer in this place that is dying. And it's dying in a very specific kind of way. I think it's interesting that there's only one home that is is shown as gentrified, right? That is a middle class or upper middle class white woman uh, comes out, she's getting the pavement fixed in front of her home and uh, the, you know, uh, the two children uh, come and they, you know, deface, I guess you would say. They draw initials, or uh, I think it's just initials in the uh, wet, pa- wet uh, cement so that it will dry with the initials. And she chases them off and they run. And there's this sort of taunting of her, right? But also this sense of, you know, she's fixing the pavement, right? She's getting rid of the very ground that has been Red Hook. The very ground that these children are connected to, that this community is connected to. And it cannot have any signatures or impressions of the old world, including the children who have inherited that, right? And so the fact that she chases them away and and, and the girl is trying to leave her mark, trying to make her impression and let in some ways people know black people lived here too we used to live here right that's for me what that moment is for her although it's of course children playing and and being mischievous um but she chases them off and re-smooths the sidewalk that is that the very ground of red hook has to be redone this is part of ethnic cleansing has to be completely resurfaced so that the traces of those who came before, the traces of those others, uh, no longer linger. But Spike Lee's film is dedicated to, I think, a sense of resignation, that this is exactly what's happening to the grounds of black America, right? Ethnic cleansing, and no trace is being left behind 
And so what does it mean then to make a film that's about this place, not as it was before gentrification, but it, as it is in the moment of onset of ethnic cleansing or gentrification or cultural genocide? And in that way, the way I cast the film, a term I ask my students to think about and I think about when I talk about the film, is that it's a film about an abandoned space. It's a film about an abandoned space in a couple of, a uh, few different senses. First of all, there are no police in this film, right? There's, you know, people openly dealing drugs, you know, out in front of, uh, uh, you know, a, an apartment building. Uh, there's no sense of the police. There's no sense of fear of the police. There's no sense of the state looking out for the safety of anybody, right? I mean, the police have never figured that way in Spike Lee films. They're always a threat rather than than an assistance or protection. And I, you know, in that way, Spike Lee is just representing something that's endemic to African American life. But um, it's also abandoned in the sense that there are so few men, which I think is his ab the absence of men in the film of a certain age. You know, they're the elder men, elderly men in the church. And then there are some, you know, young men who are dealing drugs and that's it. And I think there's also a nod there very quietly, sort of more by absence and silence, a nod to uh, mass incarceration and its complete decimation of neighborhoods. Uh, when, it, you know, when you're talking about the percentage of of working class and poor black men who go to prison. And I think it shows up in this film by black men not showing up, right? That they're not there, except on the, both the elderly and the young side of things. But in between, it's an absence, right? And it's also an abandoned space in terms of, and this is something that Spike Lee is talking about in Red Hook Summer that gets so little attention in any kind of cinema, which is to talk about environmental racism. He talks in there about, you know, asthma, right? That's the main girl character has uh, asthma and has an asthma attack at this key moment in the film. Um, it's really, uh, I find it a really emotional scene, panic-inducing scene. Um, there's this sense of, of abandonment to, to, you know, environmental violence, right? And so to put environmental racism into a film is to talk about a sense of abandonment in terms of health, right? In terms of the state's protection and in terms of having a right to place, that there is no right to place in Red Hook Summer. There is only a holding on to this space that's been abandoned and in its abandonment, it is vulnerable to the predatory work of ethnic cleansers, like the white woman who's repaving her sidewalk. And so in that way, I just, I think it's worth thinking about and praising Red Hook Summer for being a film about complete abandonment, that there is no outside in Red Hook, in Red Hook Summer. There is no outside of abandonment. Everything is a feature of that. There's a sense in which the church can't take up any space because it's been abandoned. The, the 
you know, the, the drug dealers are at best an intimidating force and the sort of one sort of active presence, you know, other than children running around. And I would talk about ch children and childhood in the, the next piece. But Spike Lee's made a film that for all of its problems with the lead uh, children actors is a really, I think, profound meditation. And it's painful to watch because of this profound meditation on total abandonment and what this means for, for black Americans, what it means to be African-American in an abandoned space. So been abandoned by the state, has been abandoned to environmental violence and has been abandoned to the, the predations of ethnic cleansing whites. But at the same time, and it is a very sad film, right? It has such uh, sad uh, uh, storylines. None of them are actually happy, although there is joy in the film, which has to do with childhood. Um, again, a next segment piece. But it's also a film that visually is quite beautiful and really striking and does not look like any other Spike Lee film. There's a real kind of, there's a brightness and vibrancy, right? That, and, and a sort of, sort of pressing outside any kind of rigid boundaries around bodies, buildings, and nature. And there's a, that, that, like sense of colors bleeding outside their borders and out into different spaces in the world um, and into one another. And it's very beautiful, a lot of yellows and reds. And I like that because, again, it's this thing that I've talked about previously that we can't, we can't ever lose sight of is that Spike Lee is so deeply committed to the to the beauty that black people bring to even the most terrifying and awful situations, that the total abandonment of the space of Red Hook Summer, of this neighborhood, for all of that abandonment, there's still such immense beauty here. But the beauty is in the people, right? It's beauty in the people who have been here a long time and the people who just arrived, Flick, and what he brings to the space, right? As someone, you know, making films through his iPad, definitely a Spike Lee imagining himself uh, born in the 21st century and, you know, starting to learn to love uh, filmmaking through an iPad. I really like that part of it. Um, but that sense of there being this this abiding beauty sense of beauty that's always going to accompany even the bleakest of abandoned spaces that's abandoned to political economic and environmental violence the fact that there's still this persistent beauty that mookie who shows up right as a pizza delivery person right that he still lives here that he still brings his like mookie vibe to the place is very playful and fun and you get to see Spike Lee age and I, I like that he lets himself age right in the role of Mookie but there's this sense of you know there's real roots here there's history here and there's beauty here and I think that serves two functions these are my last two two remarks for this segment right I think that that sense of beauty is is about two things one is about the the sort of genius 
of African Americans to make something beautiful in the midst of abandonment and terror. And that's what they live in Red Hook Summer. Abandoned. They live in a space of abandonment and terror. And still there's something very beautiful about the people and the world that they've made, right? In the corners of the world. And Spike Lee wants to do that with the aesthetic of the film, also with the characters, but with the aesthetic of the film. It's very beautiful to look at, right? Very striking. But it's also not just about the present, right? And what people make in a space of abandonment but also that way that Spike Lee has made a film that's not nostalgic in the sense of elevating and, and overinflating the past, but he's made a film that's a reminder that something really beautiful happened here and that we're losing something really beautiful by letting it go, right? By letting it submit to the worst of predatory violence called ethnic cleansing or gentrification that something very beautiful is being taken from us. And that very beautiful thing is the inheritance of the people who live in Red Hook, who live on that screen. For all of their complexities and difficulties, they live on that screen as the beauty of the past and the inheritors of that. And so we have to understand then that what ethnic cleansing or gentrification is, is making people vulnerable in a complete state of complete abandonment and displacing them. And it's a human rights violation. It's a human rights uh, atrocity. But it's also a destruction of something beautiful. And to put that sense of responsibility alongside the atrocity of human rights violation, that is ethnic cleansing, to say you're also getting rid of, you're also eliminating something beautiful is to both double the sense of responsibility and atrocity on the side of white people, but also serve as a reminder that, you know, it doesn't matter how difficult life was in Red Hook. It was also a place that was beautiful and that produced beautiful people and beautiful communities and beautiful possibilities. And we're saying goodbye to that in Red Hook summer. And there's something in that way almost unwatchable and undigestible about the film. And it should be, because it's an undigestible and unwatchable phenomenon that happens everywhere, every day, every week in the United States. Ethnic cleansing. It's not just a displacement of human beings. That's enough, more than enough, for our outrage. But it's also the erasure of legacies and histories of beauty that Spike Lee recovers in Red Hook Summer aesthetically and also in the stories he's able to tell and the characters he's able to bring to the screen.